Season's greetings, everyone, and welcome to episode 90 of the Feelin' Film Podcast. I'm Patch, and with me is my best friend and co-host, Aaron. Hey, man. Hello. This week, we hope that this episode finds you smiling as much as the movie did as we discuss the 2011 British adventure comedy, Arthur Christmas. Now, before we get into the discussion, this is your regularly scheduled spoiler warning, reminding you to check out the film first before you listen. With that said, let's get to it. Aaron, why don't you give us, uh, to start off with, why don't you give us a then versus now uh, perspective when you first saw it and uh, you're, you're viewing this time around for the podcast. Um, I don't have much of that really that I can remember. Uh, I, you know, I saw it in a theater a while back when it came out. I don't even remember being that interested in it or knowing what it was. I think I ended up in the theater because I had younger kids and it was animated (laughs) and it wasn't, it wasn't very intentional. I'll tell you that, but I do remember being pleasantly surprised by it going in with very low expectations. Um, it wasn't until a couple of years ago when I watched it for the first time, like on my own of accord, I guess, and kidless that I realized how great of a movie this is. And it's like, nobody talks about this movie. It's very, it's very odd. It's, it's just kind of unknown. Even in a lot of film circles, people just don't seem to have a lot of knowledge or love for this one. I mean, I know people that adore it, but it's a small number. It doesn't come up when you talk about, favorite Christmas movies. It's not one that's often, you know, recounted. And so I have taken to starting to watch it every Christmas because I just really, really enjoy it. And it's, you know, I think it's a heartwarming and hilarious movie. And I love particularly the portrait of like how families can not be on the same page, but ultimately they need unity and they need to be together. And there's so much to talk about in this film about the different relationships within the family. And so I'm excited to do that because I think that this film has a very good heart at its center. Mm-hmm. And so it's one of those, it's, it's like a feel good message movie, but it doesn't feel preachy in any kind of way. Right. There's something original that this movie has going for it. And my experience with it was really very recent. It came out of nowhere I know, I don't know if it was you or, or maybe it was Gabriel who were talking about it on social media, but they covered it on underrated last year. That's that, right. That's how it came up. That's right. And I remember you chiming in saying, yeah, it's a really great movie. Well, I hadn't seen it. And so I just gotten back from Kenya back in 2016 and I decided to, you know, give it a go as the British might say. And I absolutely adored this movie from the very beginning. I'm five minutes in and I'm watching the opening sequence and I'm like, I'm all in. This is fantastic. And my enjoyment of it really revealed that I've slowly found myself moving away from your more traditional movies that, that I grew up with. And it's not that I'm, or even, you know, TV shows, things like that. They're all in my collection. But what I find myself grabbing, gravitating towards are movies like Arthur Christmas the Polar Express, uh, movies that have a refreshing take on the holiday season as a whole and not necessarily on iconic characters. Although what I think Arthur Christmas does is it takes an iconic character like Santa Claus and, as you mentioned, expands it. And it's not just about Santa, but it's about the Claus family. 
And this afternoon in prep for tonight, I was reading through an interview with the co-directors of the film back in uh, from an interview back in 2011. And it was amazing to me to hear them talk about how they came up with this story because their desire was not just to make, was not to make an original Christmas tale. They had an idea that started out with what if Santa had to logistically get around the world in today's culture? How would that look in today's culture? And that's how, for instance, we get this opening sequence that just grabs us. So the originality of the, of the, of the story uh, was very refreshing to me. And it makes the rewatchability of it that much more enjoyable because when you become familiar with something, then your tradition side kicks in. And now you're like, oh yeah, I'm looking forward to watching this. So not only do you have a, a sense of, oh yes, I get to watch this every year, but also it's pretty fantastic. And I'm, I'm so grateful that stories like this exist because they don't feel like rehashes. They feel like hey, we really want to get the spirit of what the holiday season, at least in part, is about, but not retread on what you already know about icons like Santa and Rudolph and, and things like that. So this this is um, this is tops for me. Polar Express is up there. These are movies that, that to me, get the spirit of, of Christmas without necessarily harping on the stuff that I already know. Yep. I would agree. And it, it you know, it never it doesn't ever specifically tell you that. You know, it's not it's not the movie that's going to sit down and have this big monologue about okay guys, but this is what Christmas is supposed to be about. Mm-hmm. It's it's more about the family dynamic within this story. Yeah. And through that, we see how that is depicted and and how that is shed out to the world from the Claus family. And you brought that up. I really, I like that as well. I love that there are characters that are outside of just Santa Claus Mm -hmm. and that they have a, they have a, I mean, it's just such a cool concept with retired grandpa Santa playing the Christmas board game. And then you Mm -hmm. have, you know, Steve and, you know, you get different personalities. You get the big, the big brother versus the little brother and they're Mm -hmm. totally different. And somebody has got to take over because Santa is going to, be done doing his thing. He needs to retire and hang out with Miss Claus. And they, they have a really warm, charming little relationship. And it's, it's so neat. And I love the elf elf specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, what's her name? Brainy, Brony, uh, something like that. I call it the uh, rapping queen. She is the rapping queen. That is true. Uh, but the elves are so cool because it, they're almost like little special ops agents. I, I feel like they're running these secret missions for Christmas and, and watching them do that. Mm-hmm. I, I need a kick out of it every time. So well, I, I mean, yeah, it's uh, so good. It really is. And the, as a designer, I'm looking at the typography and seeing how throughout the movie, we're getting this typography of like digitized, like here's where you are. We're in you know Mexico or we're three minutes to drop or all these different things where you would, it's almost like we're, we're watching something from a heads up display or we're watching like a military movie and getting like, here's your location. And we're, you know, three clicks from the, uh, you know, from the, from the destination or from the drop zone. And that's something that really made me, um, connect inside into this movie was that opening sequence. We have this big giant 
uh, spaceship or what do you call it? The S one is that what it's called? The S one, I think. Whatever. It's the it's a big <laughs> a big spaceship filled with all these elves, and we're seeing these we're we're seeing this um this this group of of elves basically doing the job of Santa, which is a brand new concept. You know, we never think about oh yeah, if we're thinking about the the story of Santa Claus, we don't think about his elves actually helping out. These guys are are trained. They are specialized, and um, so when I when I look at that, I just I just start smiling. Uh, there are a couple of there are a couple of really great moments in those first few minutes. The um, the gun that scans the kids for their percentage of being naughty or nice, and then it dishing out that same percentage of of goodies into their stocking. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, that is that is a really neat thing. I also thought the the whole bit with Santa laying on the toy and everyone in, you know, in Steve and in his big group of elves inside the ship and all the elves that are around are scrambling, trying to figure out what to do. And I actually think I remember that from the trailer and being incredibly entertained. Like, what is this movie? What's, what's this going to be about? So things like that. I think that the creators put a lot of subtlety into that opening bit to really get us acclimated to this this is the world that we live in. If Santa existed and if he did all those things to me, this is the, this is the creative team's way of saying, this is how he would do it. And it almost makes me go, well, I can believe that. I can believe that if you have to get through all these countries and all these houses in one night, heck yeah, you're going to have to have that many helpers doing that much stuff and having that much like Christmassy military training and the entertainment value just went up incredibly. You mentioned the, the, the family themselves. And I think this is at the heart of, of what makes the movie so successful is getting to know these individual characters. We start out with the, with big Santa you know, he's uh, he's coming out so the elves are doing their thing and then he makes his grand entrance and comes across as a bit of a, I don't know, absent-minded. You know, he's like, oh, here I am. Hello, ho, 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 you know, that kind of thing. And then we get introduced to Steve, who is, my wife pointed this out, I didn't notice this when I watched it this time around, that if you look at his, his goatee, it's in the shape of a Christmas tree. And his- Is it his, seriously? It really is. It's really great. Oh, Again, subtleties. I didn't really notice great. that. That's fantastic. But you see him. He's the man in charge. He's got his. He's got his device, and he's you know checking things. He's che- he's checking the list more than twice. You know, making sure things are intact. And then, um, and then we get Grand Santa, who's watching the whole thing as this crotchety old man on TV watching this whole thing play out. And he's got I don't know what kind of which which reindeer he has to decide with that cone of shame around him. I thought that was fantastic, but he just, you could get the crotch deal, man. And Bill Nye voicing his character is just perfect. Uh, and we get Mrs. Claus, or Mrs. Santa, I guess as she's referred to uh, later on uh, after the whole night's through. And then finally we, we see Arthur. Of course we see Arthur first, but we, we get touches of who these characters are in this moment. So we're kind of thrown into their lives and they're all good starting places for what I think each character tends to have a nice rounded arc about them. And would you agree? You think all of them, maybe with the exception of Mrs. Santa, uh, who I think 
uh, I'd love to have seen her get more screen time. Do you think all of them have these rounded out uh, character arcs? Oh, absolutely. And I don't, I don't think that she needs more screen time either. I think she's exactly what she needs to be. Uh, she has a, a couple of great moments and they don't, they don't have to be long to be impactful. There's my favorite scene with her is when Santa is in the bed and his phone rings mm-hmm. and it asks for him to authenticate it. And it says, you know, state your identity. And he asks her, you know, he starts thinking about the fact that he's about to retire and no longer be Santa. And so he says to her, who would I be? Because he doesn't know what he's going to do when he stops working. Obviously that's kind of like his arc. And she refers to him by his first name. Hmm. And I just, I thought that was so sweet, so moving, so touching, like, because that's how she should react. Right. It's just, and the attention to that, to not a, throw her away as a character, but use her in a loving wife way. You know, she, she's been supportive of her husband and her sons, but she's not like up in arms trying to steal the spotlight. She's perfectly content uh, in what her, her role is with them. And so I really like the way that her character is depicted. Cause this is about the three guys battling it out because they're the ones that have to deal with this, this issue of identity of being Santa Mm-hmm. There, it's not, she doesn't have that, you know, she knows who she is. She's the, she's the rock of the family and she's the one that everybody needs to look to because she understands who she is and she's mm-hmm. content with that. And she, and, and they need to try and emulate her <laughs> if anything. So I, I love that. And I, I do, I like all the characters here. I think they are so well drawn. S- Steve cracks me up because he's probably a lot closer to what I would be. I'm I'm like Steve. I'm methodical and organized and frankly missing one child and all of the risk that Arthur puts into getting this gift back. I frankly I'm a little concerned about the way that that goes down because I don't know that that's correct. I I don't know that Arthur's in the right here and that's part of what makes this movie interesting to me. Well, one of the essential uh, plot points here is this idea of Gwen, this little girl whose bike was nicely wrapped and it somehow gets left behind. And as an extension, she gets left behind. And so that's what sets the wheels in motion for eventually Arthur and Grand Santa to go out on Evie and his what, six or seven reindeer, <laughs> maybe eight. I can't remember. Not enough, not enough, never enough to, to get her the gift. And this idea of singling out the one was really interesting because of course this kind of harken back to, to my faith and the, the lost sheep and thinking about a shepherd going after that one and um, how, how important is that? And there's this idea that Gwen, this one person who doesn't get a gift is valued equally above any other. Now that could be a mistranslation because I think as I watched the movie initially, I saw, I saw her as being like, Oh wow, she's more important. No, she's not. She's actually just as important as each individual child that is being delivered a gift to. Um, there's a scene in the back half of the movie where Santa comes out from his, um, he's woken up from his sleep and he's being asked by this big conglomerate of elves, Hey, you know, what happened? Did you, did you really forget the child? And he says, well, yeah, but I mean, it's just one. 
in this moment, one of the elves says, one child doesn't matter. Which one? And then a scene later, Steve, who's talking to, maybe it's the same group of elves, but he's on the, uh, on the, uh, you know, in mass mission control. He basically says, who cares about one single tiny child? And man, that's a gut punch because the whole purpose behind this idea of Santa delivering gifts is that a child gets a gift delivered to them by Santa. Santa delivers that gift, not because the child necessarily deserves it, because obviously early on we see that there was a kid who was like 54% naughty and the, the elf basically scanned himself to get gifts to the, to the child. Cheating. The, They're cheating. Okay. Well, you know, whatever it's, it's Christmas. You can fudge a little bit, right? <laughs> Cause fudge is part of Christmas. Anyway, uh, bad joke, but we see this, we see this notion that kids being delivered presents by Santa expresses a sense of care, expresses, expresses a sense of, of love and affection. And the conflict here is that we have three different characters, three different Santas, one who is a former Santa, one who's the current Santa and one who's the potentially future Santa, all looking at this from differing point of views. Uh, Steve's like, look, it's just, you know, margin of error. I'm if, still good. Go ahead. If we all just gave into Christmas spirit, it'd be chaos. Exactly. That's what he says. And that yeah. is absolutely true. Yeah. Well, okay. And then we have Santa who's kind of absent-minded and he's like, well, I mean, it's, I mean, we know that he's not at this point in his life, the decision maker. So he's just kind of going along for the ride. And then there's grand Santa who really just wants to, he wants to get um, some kind of accolade by showing that he was able to do it. So each one of these uh, to deliver the gift. So each, each motive by these guys is at least in comparison to Arthur completely missing the point of who Santa is. And that's why I think it's so great about these three characters and well, these four characters, um, these four men at least, because we get a picture of, I think what the movie is, the message that the movie is trying to say is that, look, when you lose the spirit of Christmas and what's the spirit of who Santa is, when you lose that, you become grand Santa, you become Santa current, you become Steve, which their individualness is good, but it's got its flaws. And I think, go ahead. Let me, let me ask you this regarding. Okay. So this could also be seen as easily, Portraying the idea, whether it is intentional by the film or not, on the surface, it looks like that we are shown Arthur, who is absolutely just completely committed to this idea that if Gwen does not have a present under that tree waiting for her, then Santa doesn't care and Christmas is ruined. And I, I wonder if if that's a good thing because there's there's a level there of greediness that we've come to expect you know from our way of doing christmas at least here in the states those of us who have the means we we kind of we do we we expect things to be under the tree and i wonder how we would feel if that didn't suddenly show up and so i feel like in a way it's saying the idea that the spirit of christmas hinges solely on 
the happiness of this child receiving a present. And I don't know. I don't know. I mean, again, we, I go back to the whole risk versus reward thing. Like it's, it's one thing to want to do this, but Arthur puts his own, I know it's an animated film, but he puts his own life at risk. Grand Santa's life is at risk. The reindeer's life are at risk. The, um, exposing of, of all of Santa hood (laughs) and Santa kingdom, the North pole is all put at risk. And they literally get shot down with like missiles by NORAD, which is hilarious because I love watching the NORAD tracker every year. And I just want, I'm just waiting for the one year when they actually like show it, you know, Santa's like tracking. Right. And then, <laughs> um, anyway, I digress. My point is though, I, I don't necessarily feel that way when I get to the end of the film, but this time watching it, I did see a potential for that to be the way this is taken in, in by families who don't have the means. Hmm. I can see that take and, and definitely see its validity, but I don't think the story is trying to lean that way in as much as it's centered around the family of Santas, as we mentioned before, and the value that they place in their identity. In a lot of ways, Gwen is sort of the MacGuffin of the film that helps lead the family in discovering what their purpose is. And what their purpose is, I think, is the thread throughout this film that ties every moment together for the most part. Um, I've come to understand that the idea that when Arthur comes to that revelation, that Santa is an idea rather than a person, and that each person's purpose is exposed by the each person's purpose is exposed by the climax of the movie. I mean, each person, each member of that family did something to make sure that the present was delivered to Gwen. So it was never really about her getting what she wanted. It was about the fact that Santa, the idea of Santa and what he was about, the spirit of Santa needed to be fulfilled. And it was more about purpose of the, of the four, maybe even the five, if you include, uh, if you include Mrs. Santa, then it was about her getting a present. Yes. That was the end result. She still got a present and she was still cared for. I think there's an equal value in that, but I don't know that the movie is like saying, Hey, if you, getting a present equals Santa loves you. I don't think that that it may, that may be a byproduct and legitimately so, but I really feel like the movie is telling us more about understanding who you are and what your purpose is in the life that you have. And in the world of these clauses, we understand over the course of the film through their discovery, what their actual purposes are um, as the, as the movie comes to a close. And and that's what I think is the strongest idea in the movie is, is identifying what your purpose is. I mean, Steve, he's got this one track mind. He's successful. He's ready to take the lead. Santa's got this loss of identity, um, knowing, trying to figure out what's he going to be if he's not Santa anymore. Grand Santa never got the accolades he wanted, hence the camera on Evie. And then there's Arthur. Arthur's just pure, never losing hope. Well, almost never losing hope. And he, he, he holds on to the fact that he still believes in the overall reasoning behind why this family does what it does. And you mentioned earlier that Mrs. Santa's the rock that holds them together. Well, the reason why is because she knows exactly who she is. 
there's not one point, one moment in the movie where she's like, uh, should I do this? Should I not? No, she's just calm, cool, collected. She makes a decision. She runs with it, makes a decision, runs with it. And nobody really questions her. And that's what I think makes her really interesting because you're right. She doesn't have a lot of screen time, but she has enough to make us go. That's, that's the anchor of the family right there is mom. She holds them together because she knows exactly what her role is. And that role may not have a lot of accolades that go with it, but it's valuable. And, and I think that's when the movie uh, really starts to take an interesting turn that gives it a little bit more depth than just being a really fun Christmas movie that it becomes really about finding out who you are and, and running with it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think I'm glad that you answered the way you did regarding the present question, because I, I do believe that's what the movie is getting at at its heart. Um, and I think that it's important for us to talk about that though, and bring that up and have that because I, parents that are watching this with kids need to be able to express that and explain that to their children when they watch this movie, because they may not pick that up if they're young enough. And hopefully this is a conversation that we have with our kids all the time that our, our children aren't of the belief that if they don't get presents, they're not loved. Or if something happens, you know, their Christmas is completely ruined, that it totally revolves around Christmas morning and opening the presents and not, the season and whatever other things that you celebrate around the season. So I think that it's good to have that conversation, but I do, I do personally agree with you. <laughs> um, I, I'm not a hundred percent sold on the way we portray Steve as not necessarily the right man for the job. I, uh, I can see a world in which I still believe Steve is the right one to be in charge because I, I kind of have a little bit of an issue with someone who's put in a ton of hard work and years and years and years of effort to become this thing and to do it well and to do it organized and efficient and suddenly to be considered unqualified because he's not as sensitive as a completely unqualified candidate. And I, I think it's a fascinating thing to explore because this is a real life situation in jobs and careers uh, that we're all fighting for promotions. And um, I've been the guy who's the hard worker. And, you know, I, it's, it's a hard thing to swallow sometimes when you think that you're putting in the effort and someone else is getting a job because of a personality trait that may be different from yours. And so I think I resonated with this in a very strong way, uh, but I just, I, th I think it's a really well done depiction of that in this animated way that ultimately comes around in the end, especially with the uh, end credits scenes, they kind of seal the deal for me and make it all better, um, which I'll talk about that in a little bit. But it, I, I love that we get, characters that are so rounded. Uh, we talked about this last week or last episode in, in Gremlins, flat versus rounded characters. Steve is on the surface, incredibly methodical, organized, and seems to be the wrong guy for the job. But what we learn is, like you mentioned, 
it it takes a village, it takes all of the, the Santas together. It's not just one. And Arthur's sensitivity alone isn't going to get it done either. You're absolutely right about that, that it does take this team of of a family to get the job done. And I, you got me thinking about a particular scene where, going back to your comment about working hard and having that hard work passed up for some other reason, because someone else seemingly from your perspective or your perception doesn't fit the bill. Maybe it's nepotism. Maybe it's just because they know somebody or in any case, your, your accolades not being recognized and not being rewarded. There's a fantastic scene just after Steve is, uh, he makes that line about um, it's just one child or who cares about one tiny child. He storms off and he says, you know, coffee pots in the corner. These are over here. So I'll see you guys later. And then he starts just kind of humming. Oh, I mean, he just, it, it's like, he just gives up. He's like, I'm done. I have done everything. And there's this, as he's walking off, all I could feel was both a sense of this duality of saying, why are you giving up, Steve? No, don't give up on that child. And I'm also thinking, yeah, Steve, just let it go. because. You know, you haven't received any kind of um, any kind of gratitude for all that you've done. Because when you think about it, I mean, that large number on the screen, all those presents were delivered with the exception of one. From a statistical point of view, that's not bad. That's not that's bad. That's not not bad. That is incredible. That is <laughs> absolutely within the margin of error. That is my point. Right. The problem is you're dealing with people you're dealing with human beings and you're dealing with the, it again, I, I think that that's what makes this conflict so cool, not cool, but so in, entertaining is because you're dealing with both a statistical margin of error that is incredibly acceptable mathematically, but you're also connecting it to a human being, which is not okay because even one person is still a valuable person. And this movie is doing both things. It's arguing for both of those sides very effectively because you could definitely be a Steve and be like, look, I did my job the best I could. I did everything that I was asked to do. And he, I love how he thumbs through. He's like, look, and he goes, you know, Turkey, USA, Mexico. He's like, look at all these countries I hit. Boom, 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 boom. One child. <laughs> and at the same time, you're like, yeah, but one child. So it's, it's really, ugh. it's like this, I, I'm conflicted as a as an audience because I'm like, yes, I agree with you, but I don't. So, so what what happened in the past when it was just Santa, one Santa doing all this work? Then, then what happens? See, yeah, that's that's what we don't know. Is that are we saying Santa that that like Santa? I guess Santa Daddy Santa, current Santa, is mm -hmm. he just so good that he was the equivalent of all three? See, that's what I don't know. I mean, and did Grand Santa, was did there a larger brother that died? Is he like at the Battle of Dunkirk? And I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, just I'm like, we don't know. I need, I need more. I need right. more. I need Arthur Christmas. The you know, and, and what it, what it could be, honestly, is that with the advancement of technology, you had, you had a higher level, higher standard that you were meeting. And at some point, maybe for the and last with the population boom. 
because we start we have to have babies. And you kids are people. kids are asking for more stuff. True. And I mean, I don't know what the movie's trying to say in that regard, but I, I, I wish that I, you know, if we can get that question answered, was it always perfection? Was it always every kid on the list got a got a present? And if that's the case, then how did Grand Santa do it and in Evie? And how did Santa do it before all this technology hit? And but regardless, my only concern though is that Steve specifically says we'll send out the present, and so he's saying we're still going to take care of the kid. It's just not going to be on Christmas morning. So and that I, just saying, like if my kid, if I if I can't get my kid's present because it's out of stock on Amazon, am I a bad dad because it takes me two days later to get my son a bike versus? getting him that bike on the under the tree in Christmas day. Have I failed him? Cause that's what we're saying is that Steve is failing the kids by not giving it to him on Christmas morning. You're, you're illustrating my point from earlier that it wasn't ever about the present itself. It was about the fact that Santa was delivering it to show that kind of affection and show that caring. I mean, I, I get it. I, I get it. But at what cost? I mean, there's gotta be a, there's a time when you have to weigh that. I, I we've already talked about, it. I just, I'm just, just not sold on that. Okay. It's a, it's a valid argument. It really is. And, um, you know, hopefully maybe in some philosophy class at Harvard, maybe they're discussing this as, you know, some kind of like moral, moral discussion. Or well, I did just read Batman in psychology. So maybe there'll be an Arthur Christmas in psychology book comes out. <laughs> that would be brilliant. <laughs> Overall though, it made for a very, at the very least entertaining film and compelling at that and refreshing. And it's one that I think we, we gravitate towards because it brings about these kinds of questions that we can ask every year. I, I, I really love the fact that you brought that question up. I'm not going to go back into it, but the fact that it brings about that kind of, Hey, what should I think about when it comes to what my kid deserves or how the spirit of gift giving should be. Because we, um, as parents, my wife and I, we are at a place in, in our life with our son. He's turning five in January where he's very much aware of presence and Santa and we're not perpetuating Santa with him. We're not talking about being good and the chimney and stuff. He's just asking those questions. How is Santa going to get down the chimney? And is he going to bring us presents? And we're trying to be very sincere and honest with him by saying, no, mom and dad are going to give you presents. And so are your, your grandparents and your, your cousins. So you'll get gifts from them. And the reason why is because that's how we show love to each other. And he goes back to, but what about Santa? What about Santa? <laughs> And it's a difficult conversation to have because you don't want to just, you don't, we don't want to perpetuate that, but we also don't want to just shut it down. We want to let him make that discovery on his own, but not necessarily be the reinforcement of the, what he is trying to, um, trying to imagine. Because the fact is we want Christmas morning to be a time when we're genuinely showing love by gift by giving gifts to each other which i think and by sharing in this in the the enjoyment 
of opening them together, discovering them together, and being excited about something together. Because to me, I think right. that's the key, right? And that's what's awesome is because the little girl's parents are there, right. and they get the Santas even get to be a part of it. So it's it's a communal thing. It's not about the gift. It's about the whole experience of what the gift brings you together. Right. I mean, I mean, I I know you well enough to know that when you see your son or daughter open a gift that you bought them that you know they're going to love, the expression on their face, not the gift itself, is what you are latching on to. And to see my son light up when his train table is revealed to him in his room uh, from a couple of years ago is fantastic. And it's never about the gift. It's about the fact that we want to share in that moment with him. We want him to be part of that and to let him know we want to share in that moment where you feel loved. And I, I feel like Arthur Christmas really tries to latch onto that idea that, that Arthur himself, um, that's why he wants that gift to be given because he wants her to feel like she's valued and they, maybe he wants to, you know, the parents to, to experience that with her. I don't know, but, there's definitely something there when it comes to, to that idea. It also is a great indictment on America, which I think is hilarious because it's British in that America tries to destroy what it doesn't understand. Yeah. And it's, in the process of doing yeah. so, they think that they've saved Christmas, which I, I totally feel like it's a dig at the USA. Possibly. Possibly. Was there anything else that, that stood out to you that we have not covered? No, not specifically. I mean, I, I really, really love this movie. So me, me poking holes in it and, and talking about talking through it is a positive thing for me. I'm glad you, you mentioned that. Like I said, it's, these are things that parents can talk to their, their kids about. These are things that, you know, you could probably even have a, a film and theology type session on this movie as well. Uh, I don't know if, if our friends and other podcasts have done that or not, but they could and should. And it's, um, yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful Christmas movie that I, it's a regular part of my rotation. And I think that everyone should consider adding it to theirs because everybody I've introduced it to since I first saw it and became interested or, you know, a couple of years ago when I fell in love with it, everybody that's seen it has reacted the same way and been like, oh man, I love that movie. So it's, it just needs to get seen. And I know most people listening to this have already seen it, but this is your, this is your marching orders to go out and share it with someone this year. Do that. Right. Yeah. Real quick, before we get into our connecting point, I wanted to give uh, kudos to the voice cast. This was a surprise to me to, to read who all was in this. And the big three that stood out to me were James McAvoy as Arthur did not at all hear him in that Of course after seeing split, maybe I should, um, you know, it's, it was just very much a surprise. Uh, Hugh Laurie playing Steve, which is fantastic. He's uh, known, uh, you know, from House, the TV series. Yeah. And then, as I mentioned before, Bill Nye as as Grand Santa, and what a perfect voice for that crotchety old man. Because knowing him from movies like Love Actually, uh, it's just it's just perfect for, for for that role. So those three guys really did a fantastic job. I agree. hundred percent agree. I love the voice cast. I love Bill Nye in general. And, um, I actually could hear James McAvoy some, but it was much more of a, um, young professor X, James McAvoy 
Okay. It was a Dennis and the Horde <laughs> villain of the year, Seattle Film Critics Society, James McAvoy. <laughs> By the way, not to get off topic, but I'm going to get off topic. Um, James McAvoy actually thanked us on Instagram. He reposted our award and, and told us thank you for, for uh, thinking of him and recognizing him. That was well, a pretty cool moment. Yeah, very cool. Congratulations on the uh, on the recognition of his recognition. Exactly. <laughs> well, let's get into our connecting points. What was the what was the was there a moment or a scene that stood out to you that you really gravitated towards? Yep, absolutely. Um, the final delivery scene for me is really what brought everything home. And there's there's other moments in this film that I like quite a bit. So uh, this wasn't just a slam dunk, but for the most part, I, I think. This is probably the given, the easy answer, but it's so good. Everything that happens here, just the way that they finally all four get on the same page. And what does it for me most emotionally is Arthur's face. When Arthur sees Gwen with her present and all of the Santas are standing there looking through the doorway there's bickering and there's chatter going on and they're just not engaged. And the, the camera pans over and, and you see Arthur and his face is just almost complete. His mouth is wide open and his eyes are huge and he is just genuinely happy and excited for her. And that's the feeling that him, him exhibiting all of that joy, that, that tells you what it's all about. He's not feeling that joy because he's getting a gift. He's feeling that joy because he gave a gift. And that's the spirit of Christmas is all about giving. We say, well, that's, that's what this movie is showing us in that moment. And so I love the way that that's portrayed. And then, you know, it's interesting too, because I also like the part just before that, where they're kind of bickering over who's going to give the gift. And ultimately, Santa realizes, like, oh, it's it's Arthur, right? Like, he said, and he says he recognizes in this moment. I think it's the first time he ever really fully recognizes it. And he says, "Steve, you may be the most qualified, but it doesn't mean you're the best one for the job." And I think that those two things can be true. Mm -hmm. And so, for all the criticisms that I have about Steve, and that I kind of joke about and talk through they're very real um they're very real life potential issues that people will have to deal with but at the end this movie does such a good job of continuing that roundedness for that character and specifically when it gives us the end credit scenes and we learn that steve becomes the ceo right which you think about you go oh that makes sense he's the organized one he's running the operations so you need the head and the heart. Um, and, and then you have the brains and the, the experience of Santa himself passing that along to the two boys. It's just, it's lovely and it all ties together. And of course it ends with a nice happy ending where everybody learns their lessons and things go, go well. And the North pole is on its way to progressive, you know, gift delivery in the future. And, and Gwen is happy and has her bike and it's, it's, it's all wonderful, but I just, I smile so big and, my heart just kind of beats out of my chest during the scene because it's the way that I would hope that I react every time my kids open something or every time that anyone I can do a, a deed for, make a sacrifice to make their lives 
better in some way. I want to feel that joy more when I do something than I would for myself. You know what I mean? Steve, Steve was going to feel joy because he delivered the present. Mm -hmm. Santa was going to feel that way or because he, because he completed his task. Santa would have felt joy because he got to be the one to deliver the present. I want to be, I want to be Arthur and I want to take joy in giving as much as he does. So that's, that's my connecting point. That's great. And you're right. Arthur does that exact thing. He is the, he's the best man for the job because of his humility and all that. He is a, a guy who, isn't looking for the accolade. He just wants to be a part of the joy. And that's a, that's a huge thing. And what a, what a cool thing to depict on screen in such a, such a vivid way. The scene that I connected with was, was Arthur's moment of what I'm going to call attempted cynicism. Attempted. And and (laughs) it's on the Island. I can't remember which country they're in. The misfit toys. Not that one. It's a different Island. Um, (laughs) And Grant Tenta's conversation that he has with them, he starts off by saying, uh, Arthur says, Christmas is for kids. And he does this so unconvincingly. And then he lays down on the sand and says, yeah, this is nice. I'm just going to lay here and relax. And he says he was being ridiculous for fussing over that one kid. And then Grand Santa comes over and he tells him the story about last taking Evie out and being told that it's time to hang it up. He says, he told me, we're scrapping the sleigh. And referring to why he had gone out this particular night to do what he did, I just wanted them to remember who I used to be. I used to be like you, and so was your dad. And then he says, you can get old, that's all. Everything changes. And here's the moment that I love. It's behind the perceived semi-convincing cynicism. Arthur says, does it? How can I write another letter saying that Santa cares? And it's only with the scene a couple of few minutes later where he has this revelation he's looking at the letter almost burning in the in the kind of the the fire and he he holds it up and he says wait a minute this is santa not you or you or even steve this is santa and as long as santa delivers the gift then she'll be happy and we'll, and she'll know that Santa does care. So you have these two moments where he says, how can I write another letter saying that Santa cares? And then he becomes that empowering force to show that Santa cares. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this, Aaron, but the moment when you realize if you've got a problem, yo, I'll solve it. If you have that moment where you're like, here's the problem and I can be the one to actually do this and bring about the solution in some way that's like, Oh, I didn't realize that I was capable of doing that. That moment was so uh, visceral to me because of how good that feels when I, and I have these just every millennium or so, like every so often there's a blip on parts of my life where I'm like, Oh wow, I get to be a part of the solution and I get to see the, the big picture and be able to inject a piece of myself into this and be a part of the solution to the problem. And what that does is it bleeds into your connecting point where it, it, it kind of reinforces the fact that what he's doing is not for himself. It's for someone else. Like his motive becomes convincingly clear at that point when he takes off. I love the fact that he's driven by worry and fear. Like he legitimately says, I need to be worried about this girl in order to uh, distract me from 
being shot up in the air to catch the sleigh that's going like a hundred thousand miles an hour. And I think both of our connecting points really paint a picture of who Arthur is someone who not only wants to solve a problem, but realizes that he can be a part of that solution to solve the problem and do it in a way that's completely pure and innocent and without any kind of selfish motive. Um, it's very refreshing. I think it's something that I want to be more a part of just like you. I want to be a person who is not driven by selfishness, but selflessness. And of course, Christmas is one of those amplifications of that. Like we're all trying to be a little bit nicer, but man, I want that year round. I want every day to be like an Arthur Christmas kind of experience where I'm looking out for the one and, and trying to find ways to meet the needs of people that seemingly could be forgotten about and, and find ways to let them know that, look, you're loved, you're cared for. Uh, you may feel like you're just one, but you are still important. So those were... I guess I cheated with two scenes, but that was ultimately my connecting point. <laughs> it's good, man. It's good stuff. I love it. Well, that about wraps it up for this year's, I guess, holiday episode. Uh, we started off last year with It's a Wonderful Life, continuing with Arthur Christmas. I'm so glad that we get to do this and put it as sort of a semi-exclamation point on the year. I know that we have a couple of other episodes coming up. Aaron, you want to you want to talk about those a little Ooh, bit? Yes, we do and they are we are in in the year with a bang, Patrick. So, our next two episodes, we're going to have two more coming next week, in the final week of the year. On Thursday, well, Friday morning, we will be putting out our episode on The Greatest Showman, the new musical starring our beloved Hugh Jackman. Um, this movie is a lot of fun and I hope that most of listeners will have a chance to go see it over the holidays with their family and then come back for the conversation because it's going to be a good one. And then after that, wait, I'm mistaken. That is not coming out on Friday. So that'll be our next main episode. That'll be coming out. What? The 31st new year's Eve. New year's yeah. day. New year's day. Yeah. It'll probably come out new year's Eve, but nobody's going to listen to it. New year's Eve. So on new year's day, uh, you will have it there for you. That'll be the greatest showman episode, but midweek We'll actually be putting out our end of the year special. And we started this last year and it is something that I've looked forward to um, all season long to get to this point. Um, this is where Patrick and I kind of do our version of our end of the year top 10 lists. Now, my top 10 list is already floating out there on the internet. You can find it at feelinfilm.com or off of any of our social media. But what we do in the end of year special is we talk through some very specific categories. We talk about favorite first time watches, uh, not necessarily new releases. We talk about favorite moments and uh, favorite performances across um, all different types of performances. And then we'll also give some previews of movies that we're really excited about next year, which I'll probably tell you what some of our episodes are going to be covering, but it is an awesome conversation. Last year, it was one of the best episodes that we did. We enjoyed it, got a lot of great feedback on it. So we're really excited about that. And we hope that you will come back and listen to that one soon. If you'd like to talk to me further, you can always find me all over social media at Aaron L. White, A-A-R-O-N-E-L-W-H-I-T-E. And we also just want to encourage you to join the Facebook group because uh, it's booming at this time and more and more people are joining. We're doing awesome stuff in there. 
we just got finished doing a collective Star Wars ranking where everybody put in their ranking of the Star Wars franchise, one through nine, and one of our uh, contributing staff, Jeremy Calcara, is going to comp- compile all of that data together, and then we're going to put our listener averaged Star Wars franchise ranking for Feelin' Film up on our letterbox account. So super cool. We do stuff like that. It's very engaging. You can search for us on Facebook, or you can find links to that all over the website, I think, since it's a new website. And uh, also in the show notes, always, if you need to. But Patrick, where can people keep talking to you? Well, you can find me on social media as well. I'm at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Shoeless Patch, S-H-O-E-L-E-S-S-P-A-T-C-H. Uh, you can also find out more about the show at feelinfilm.com. Aaron, you mentioned that it's gotten a facelift. It's sort of a slow burn facelift. We did our initial like first phase of giving it a new look and feel. Hope you guys enjoyed that, a little bit more streamlined. And as the, as the weeks progress, we will get more, uh, more solidified with that, tweaking some things here and there. But you can find out about all of our episodes, about our contributors, about ways to contribute to the show financially. Uh, you can leave comments anywhere. We've enjoyed the comments and, and feedback that we've gotten from people that uh, gravitate towards there. So the website's a great resource to find out more about us in general. Um, other than that, yeah, you can find me in the Facebook group kind of trolling around here and there, uh, occasionally dropping a meme every once in a while or, or some kind of weekly poll question that we put out on Wednesdays. But uh, but yeah, and my social media stuff is out there uh, as well. So anyway, thank you guys for listening. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode and I uh, hope that you enjoy the episodes that we have coming up to finish out the year. But in the meantime, stay positive. And keep feeling filmed.